0: Welcome to NFP's Insights from the Experts podcast. Each episode showcases timely expertise and perspective from members of the NFP community, delivering information, analysis, and solutions that address our clients' most significant challenges. Welcome. This is Mark Ryder, Head of Innovation at NFP, and I am super excited to be joined today by Ty Smith founder and CEO of Vigilance Risk Solutions. Welcome, Ty. Thanks
1: for having me, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm hanging in there. I'm um, trying to navigate this pandemic just like everyone else is. Surely,
0: surely. The days tend to blend together. It is Friday. Uh, we're recording today. And I don't know <laughs> when everybody will hear in this podcast, but uh, it's always good to know it's Friday and we actually are sure heading into a weekend. That's right. Um, that being said, Uh, The main goal of the innovation series of Insights with the Experts is to provide a platform for companies that we have sourced through our innovation lab and allow the founders to tell their story. So with that, Ty, why don't we get started a little bit with the uh, Ty Smith story? How about you tell us a little bit about yourself before we dig into the company and the deliverable?
1: Yeah, sure. So I was born and raised in East St. Louis, Illinois, on the Illinois side of the Mississippi a lot of people get confused when I say St. Louis, Illinois, but that's where I was born and raised and I come from a single parent household for the most part. I was the oldest of five and East St. Louis, if you've never been there, isn't the most pleasant place in the world to visit. So when I was 17 years old, graduated from high school and got out of there while the gig was good, uh, joined the United States Navy and spent the next two decades uh, in the Navy, where I spent most of that time as an active duty Navy SEAL prior to retiring back in 2016 and, and founding Vigilance. So started off with a very humble beginnings in the Midwest, and that brought me to where I am now.
0: Awesome. Well, in addition to thanking you for uh, joining on this podcast, and thank you for your service. Thank uh, you. Do appreciate. Do appreciate that. How about we dive a little bit into vigilant risk? Can you tell us a little bit, a bit about the background of the company, and then then we'll take a dive a little bit about what you actually do. But if you can give a little bit of the, uh, the history, how you got started, business partners, employees, where you are
1: today, that would be that would be awesome. Sure. So I founded Vigilance Risk Solutions as I was retiring from the Navy back in 2016. So we've been around for almost five years now. And the way we got started was was strange. You know, I was sitting in class up at the University of Southern California Marshall Business School, uh, finishing up my MBA as I was preparing for retirement. And I was already you know, nearly hired by the FBI. I've been in the hiring process for almost a year. That had always been my plan was to transition out of the SEAL teams into the FBI. And I was sitting in class at Marshall Business School in 2015, And all of a sudden, everybody's phones started lighting up in the class. And I looked at mine and I had a Google alert on my phone as well. And it was the day that the Inland Regional Center in San Bernardino, California, was shot up, killed more than 14 people, ended in a dramatic shootout in San Bernardino with the SWAT team. And after that happened... I just had a really bad feeling in my stomach and I think it was primarily because I was still fresh off of my last deployment to Afghanistan as a SEAL operator. And I just couldn't really, you know, believe that we're allowing these types of things to happen right here in the United States, the same things that I was seeing happening in war zones in third world countries. And then furthermore, about a week after that, some of my wife's colleagues from the medical industry started reaching out to me personally, with stories of fear saying, Hey, Ty, you know, we're scared. The hospital isn't providing us with any training or we don't have any kind of planning around active shooter workplace violence. And we're scared. And you're the only person that we know that understands this kind of stuff. So will you come up to the hospital or the clinic and and talk to us and, and, and give us some guidance on how we protect ourselves. And so after doing that several times, it was almost like I could hear my entrepreneurship professors in the back of my mind saying, Ty, the market is telling you what it needs from someone with your very unique skill set right now. And so I sat down and started working on the business model canvas a couple of weeks after that, that attack happened in December of 2015. And as I really got into the meats and potatoes of the the business model canvas, I started getting really excited about what I could build. And so I went to two of my grad school classmates who were both officers in the Marine Corps michael bonberg and alex hessler guesser and i asked them if they would like to co-found this venture with me and they agreed and that was almost five years ago and we've since grown the company into a a company that is doing over a million dollars in revenue we have uh, 10 employees and we partner with major insurance brokerages in order to work on behalf of their clients so we've come a long way that's
0: awesome and and a great story It's, it's interesting um I think when we sit here and we talk to companies coming through the lab, one of the things we always talk mm. about at the tip of the iceberg from, a, you know, when we're first talking to them to see whether or not there's any relevance within our markets is um, is the stories that that really launched the companies. Um, it, rarely do you hear it. Somebody sitting there that was actively thinking of a new business model mm-hmm. to bring in play. Um, rather, it's it's a, a life event. That, that drove them in that position, and, and sounds like that uh, holds true for you as well, which is is really cool to hear. So, so let's let's dive a little bit into a little bit about, you know, what kind of services you provide, the value prop, how you engage.
1: Uh, with a customer? Sure. So at Vigilance, you know, we are a technology company that specializes in conflict and violence prevention. So that means that we do two things for our clients from the macro level. First, we help them to identify all of their known and unknown threats of conflict and violence because every company faces what we call the unknown threat map. And then we help them to to mitigate all of those known and unknown threats that we've helped them to identify. And we do that by way of selling our clients an annual subscription package called the Unified Conflict and Violence Prevention System. And within that subscription package, the clients receive annually a security risk assessment. We also conduct daily, 24-7 social media threat monitoring for the clients. The clients get access to our proprietary case management system. And once we move into the mitigation phase, the the clients get a written conflict and violence prevention plan. They also get access to in-person and unlimited access to, to web-based training or our courses go from active shooter response all the way out to travel risk management. And then lastly, ongoing security consulting because most of our clients are larger SMBs and middle market companies that don't have a physical security officer on premises. So they get those same functions by way of our, our subscription package.
0: Interesting. And so at at a corporation, who are you mostly engaging with? Is is it, is it the HR and the training team? Is it a risk manager? Is it both? Um, Is it an owner? Like what, who, who is it that's typically, reaching out to Ty and, and asking him to come talk about
1: uh, what he does and what he can bring. To the we typically communicate with head of HR, the CFO oftentimes because the CFO oftentimes is also the risk and compliance officer. Uh, and believe it or not, a lot of our deals originate with the head of facilities.
0: Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, I, I, I can't help to think and not that everything needs to be directed at uh COVID uh, slash post COVID, but I know that the conversations that are happening now and the dialogue with employers uh, is very much now focused on to a return to work strategy. Right. And I sit here and I hear uh, where you're engaging. And I have to think that today that your uh, value prop must be extra relevant. Uh, a lot of uncertainty. Um, in, in, in everything that's happening today. And I, and I gotta believe, um, you know, that could breed some, some conflict. So can you talk a little bit more about, are you finding more interest? Are you kind of questions you're getting today that you weren't getting before? Um, that, you know, as people are out there listening to this, they, they think, oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of what I'm focused on today is how do I test my employees for covid Um, And there's all other things to consider, a whole host of other things to consider when you're constructing that return
1: to work strategy. Sure. And I think that it's important to note that, you know, we we have to talk about conflict and violence in the workplace as a whole. You know, this isn't a new problem. This problem has been around for a very long time. And conflict and violence in the workplace has been increasing over the last (laughs) 10 years and, and we're going to see an increase as a result of this pandemic because you already named it. People are stressed out. People are dealing with a lot of fear, uncertainty and doubt in the market. People's livelihoods is at stake. We see companies out hosting massive layoffs. Um, And they have to, they don't, they don't have a choice. They're doing what they have to do in order to keep the business alive so that someday maybe they can reemploy those people that are being furloughed or that are being laid off. But because they're being put in these positions, it's putting a lot of individuals in very precarious situations as well and so even once we get to the point where we can begin to reopen the workplace there are going to be some really concerning things that 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 we have to worry about and some of the interesting trends that we're seeing uh, right now as a result of this pandemic is you know we're starting to see a, a lot of people that are you know for their own reasons but you know, they're, they're holding people personally accountable for COVID-19, Asian people to be specific. We're starting to see an increase in, in, in people, you know, being attacked or being discriminated against simply because of their, you know, because of their ethnicity. Also, we've seen a spike in gun sales over the last 30, 45 days a big spike in gun sales. And that's really, really worrisome, not to mention the FBI is letting us in on on the fact that homegrown terrorists have have been accelerating their plans to attack right here in our our country as a result of the pandemic. They want to take advantage of it, uh, believe it or not. So that's something that we have to take into consideration once we start opening up the, the box of reintegration back into the workplace? Because those are all things that are going to be weighing heavily on, on employee wellness and, and corporate culture. We have to consider the fact that, you know, it's not just in the workplace that people are facing these problems, but, but how how is this affecting our employees when they're at home? The home is becoming the workplace for not just our employees, but what about the employers that are employing our spouses? And so now it's, The home is becoming a workplace, especially for dual income families, but also the home is becoming the school. And so we're adding in all of these these different stressors into the home. How is that going to spill over into the workplace? So there's a lot of stuff that we, we have to consider when it comes to reopening the workplace and when you talk about conflict and violence in the workplace.
0: Yeah, I mean, you rattled off a bunch of things there that that, that I hadn't been considering, um, at least as it relates to planning a return to work. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people took some some value out of that and took some some rapid fire notes there. Um, you know, the other day when we were chatting, you brought up something that I, that I was really intrigued with uh, about um, yourself and just the military in general, and their ability to be more prepared in the world we're living right Right. now and and how you're able to bring that to the table. Could you, elaborate on that maybe for an audience. I I found it to be really interesting in something I never really thought about, but uh, it was about, you know, the, the unknown and and living in the unknown. Right. And if you could give me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And and you and I got into that conversation, I think, because I was, I was telling you something that, that one of our subject matter experts has said to me last week and, and he's a former army green beret. So he's got a lot of experience with this. And he said to me that, you know, in some form or another, Every human being that's living through the COVID-19 pandemic is going to come out of this with some form of PTSD. And I think he's absolutely right because this pandemic is affecting the way we live. Like I said, it's threatening people's livelihoods. It's threatening our ability to to feed our families. It's, it's heavy. It's a lot. And I think that is really, really important that Myself as a veteran and other veterans acknowledge the fact that we are in a unique position to lead because this fear, uncertainty and doubt, uh, this this danger that we feel looming over our head at, at, heads at all times right now. Like I said, the threats to our livelihood, the threats to to provide for our families and just to live and be safe. Military members were used to that. I lived that life for two decades. My family lived that life for two decades. You know, it's, it's, it's almost comical to see the expression on my wife's face when we're watching the news and, and we're seeing or hearing people talk about this. Because my wife is like, yeah, this is no sweat. I I dealt with this while you were in Afghanistan or while you were in some of the other places that you were not knowing if you were going to come home. Or how am I going to continue to lead our our household if you don't come home or something happens to you? How am I going to hold it all together? So military members and and military spouses, especially, and, and the families that are holding it together while we're overseas doing what we do on behalf of this nation, This isn't new to them. So I think this is a very unique opportunity for veterans and and veteran families and the spouses of military members to step up and lead because there is a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the market. But the people that are dealing with it, they don't have to go it alone. There are so many companies out there. In fact, I I would challenge people to, to show me one company that doesn't have at least one veteran within that company where they could go to and say, hey, listen, you and your family have, have maybe dealt with something like this before. Can you talk to us about how you got through and some of the things that you and your family put in place in order to deal with the fear, uncertainty, and doubt?
0: Yeah, and it's a great, great tip. And, and certainly, again, bringing some thought-provoking ideas to the table here so people you know, can take them back to their place of work as we're all trying to get you know, back to work as we right. said before. Um, let's, let's pivot a little bit and, you know, we're coming up on some time here, so I want to be respectful of your time. Um, I, I know that workplace violence doesn't discriminate, but, and you, you hit on it a little bit, and, and I don't know if you can elaborate or it's, it, it is for everybody. Have, where have you found like employer types um, that you've found to be, that have engaged your services the most? <laughs> Is there the ability to bucket them? Have you found that you have a tendency to work or have been engaged by more companies of a certain size in a certain industry, uh, certain mm-hmm. demographics? Uh, can you elaborate on size, that? Size, yes.
1: Industry, no. Uh, and, and I say – okay. Industry, no, because we are working agnostically across most industries because conflict and violence in the workplace is a human being problem. It's not an industry problem or SMB versus large cap, public versus private. This is a people problem. So if there are people within your company, this problem exists, even if you don't know it yet. Now. For the most part, we've been engaged by larger SMBs and middle market companies. We have a few outliers that are very, very large companies that we work with. But for the most part, I would say it's been middle market. And I think that, you know, it's also a note that most of our, our customers are public companies and i think that there's something to say about that because public companies have a lot more to worry about than the private companies the public companies have to worry about protecting stakeholder value and so you know in some cases even if they're they're not ready to address conflict and violence in a workplace because of things that are happening in society today from active shooter events to the pandemic that we're currently dealing with. You know, those public companies have a lot that they have to hold together. And again, protecting stakeholder value is at the forefront of that. So whether they wanna address conflict and violence in the workplace or not, we're finding that they're doing it anyway because they wanna be forward leaning and they wanna be protective of stakeholder value in their employees
0: so so really when when folks are conducting their own roi um it, it really extends beyond just the safety but it really has to go wind up in and kind of touch on reputation of a absolutely company and 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 how yeah yeah and how long that could be what the impact could have on a company's right. business outside of potential loss, lives etc right. but you know moving forward
1: coming yeah back, and that's a part yeah. of our value that's, to the client it. is that we protect our clients from litigation of course physical and psychological harm to employees but more importantly we're protecting our clients brand and reputation i mean think about it how difficult is it going to be for an organization to retain their talent or attract new talent in the wake of a syrian's workplace violence attack i mean think about how difficult it must have been for youtube to hang on to their their talent when that woman decided to get in the car and drive from San Diego to San Bruno in order to wage violence against that campus and how difficult is it going to be for the company to retain, you know, board members if that shift starts to sink. So, yeah, there's a lot that we have to take into consideration when it comes to the organization's brand. I mean, even outside of violence, when you, when you talk about the organization's brand and how it affects the value of that organization, just, Think about Samsung. You have one cell phone catch on fire and on an airplane, and for the next six months, your competitors are just dragging your name through the mud. So flip that around and consider it to be a violent event where people lost their lives on company campus. It, it could be a lot to deal with.
0: Sure, and definitely first people to take into consideration as they're they're weighing uh, the possibility of looking in this space and and, and addressing it with folks like yourself. Before we wrap up here and we talk about how folks can get in touch with you, You mentioned a little bit before, but I wanted to hone in and and not necessarily exact Mm -hmm. cost, because obviously it's 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 case by case. But just the style in which like the pricing model is with your organization, would you equate it to are you coming in as a consultant on projects? Is it an annual engagement where you're on retainer? What does what does that look like from a construct? It's both.
1: Of course, we prefer to sell the full unified conflict and violence annual subscription to our clients, but if the client absolutely has to buy a la carte, then we'll do that. And we see that companies will say, hey, you know what, we just wanna start off with a security risk assessment and we'll do that. But it oftentimes leads to the client you know, saying, you know what, you were right, we need everything. So, so sell us the package. But if they want to buy a la carte, then we'll sell to them a la carte. But when it comes to the Unified Conflicts and Violence Prevention System, like I said, we work primarily with larger SMBs and middle market companies. And historically, our pricing for the larger SMBs is between 12000 and 50000 annually for the package. And then for the middle market companies we're seeing primarily between 50,000 and 100,000 for the annual subscription package.
0: Gotcha. Great, great. y'all. Well, certainly, if anybody wants to get in touch with you directly to talk more specifically about their situation and how they might be able to engage you, well, what would be the best be way for them to do that? Have an email, a website? How might we be able to get that message out to everybody?
1: Sure. We would love for them to visit our website at www.vigilancerisk.com. That's V-I-G-I-L-A-N-C-E. R-I-S-K And you can also reach out directly via email at contactVRS at VigilanceRisk.com.
0: Well, awesome. And again, uh, I'll go back to thanking you for your service, thanking for you for your time. And uh, hopefully, I know that you're in the midst of potentially rolling out some new solutions, mm-hmm. um, AI-driven models. So maybe right. as they get further developed, you might join us again, and we can uh, go
1: through a recap of what's new uh, down the line. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much for having me on today. I really enjoy speaking with you. Awesome, Ty. Cheers.
0: Have a good one.